Hello, and thank you for joining us for this Hagley History Hangout. My name is Gregory Hargreaves. I'm Program Officer at the Center for the History of Business, Technology, and Society at the Hagley Museum and Library. And I'm being joined today by Dr. Deirdre Evans-Pritchard. And uh, thank you so much for joining me today, Deirdre. I'm pleased to be here. Oh, that's great. Um, I'll just briefly introduce you. Uh, you have a, a very deep and varied uh, CV. Uh, briefly, uh, Dr. Evans Pritchard teaches art history and film studies at the University of Maryland Global and is executive director of the DC Independent Film Festival. And uh, Evans Pritchard has deep experience as a scholar and maker of media, and most recently as curator and developer of Screen Time, an interactive exhibition for which uh, I hope we'll be able to talk about more today. Um, Deirdre, thank you so much once again. And let's start with your project. What was it that brought you to Hagley? Hmm. So, um, so it's interesting where you end up, I think is what I would say. I will, I <laughs> sure. will say with a certain amount of embarrassment, I didn't have much knowledge of Hagley um, as a library. Uh, but when I started um, looking for some information, there indeed it popped up. And so... Um, I have been working in the area of media literacy um, in a very general sense. And one aspect of that has been to sort of trace some of the history of media literacy, where it came from. And I felt this was relevant at a time at which um, we're starting yet again another session of what is, is media good for us? Um, you know, forcefully came up, I think, in this last year of questions of, do we know what we're reading online is true? That's a whole media literacy question. Um, and that whole sense of, you know, now that we all talk to each other as we are right now, you know, what, what does that also mean? Does it, does it alter our identities, our assumptions of communication? Um, it's gonna, this is, this is fodder for academics for years. Mm. So um, in that process, uh, I'm very interested in the work of Marshall McLuhan, hmm. uh, the great sort of philosopher and English uh, literature teacher and sort of visionary eccentric, uh, highly controversial. People loved him or hated him. Um, and in my huntings around, I found that he had actually in 1951, he had been invited by the US government to produce with a, a few other people research on the first ever media literacy syllabus mm. designed for schools. And this was a fascinating mm. idea. Um, mm. And I thought, oh gosh, so they're actually thinking about this. And from that, um, I started reading more of his work and realizing he was looking at the impact of, um, uh, at, because of the timing, the impact of the change of media from one to another. And he was particularly interested as it came out in his book shortly afterwards about uh, understanding media in that movement from print to television. Mm. And somewhere lurking in there, uh, in, in that book, uh, I can't remember where it is, he quotes David Sarnoff um, as uh, exactly what he dislikes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was pretty interesting. So I started re researching David Sarnoff and that mm. indeed is what led me to Hagley because you have a phenomenal collection about RCA, about him himself, about his son, uh, about people who made the televisions, about people who, you know, John Vossoffs who designed them. I mean, you've got, you've got a whole uh, load of stuff and that's what brought me to you. Uh, well, perhaps you could tell us who is or was David Sarnoff? So David Sarnoff was um, quite a character. Uh, mm. He was a classic immigrant to the United States. 
coming from Russia, um, came without much education and rose to become the head of RCA and technically the head of NBC, the television station that we still have a little bit left of today, um, though he did hand it over to somebody else, but technically it was under him. And he is um, as early as the sort of 19, early 1930s, he was labeled I'm not sure who labels that's I have yet to find that one out labeled him the father of television and he um as far as I can tell he loved that right <laughs> I mean I don't think this was a man without ego um and he he even though he wasn't actually the father of television and so he would a- occasionally acknowledge that Marconi actually invented it and that indeed people in Europe were ahead of him but he did it as little as possible because he was also a consummate businessman Mm. Um, and so he built this RCA and dominated after the war, literally dominated the television world in the United States. Um, I mean, a phenomenal process of, of not just uh, commercial talent, but of introducing something that people were really suspicious of, right? And getting them to stick it in their sitting rooms. By which you mean television. Itself. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Those sets, you know, people didn't want them there, um, but you know, they he he just championed it. It was phenomenal. Well, what sort of concerns did people have about introducing televisions to their lives? So um, the first one, which he spent quite a lot of time telling people was not true, was that um, radio would collapse. And indeed, that's interesting because Marshall McLuhan was pretty hung up about that too. Um, and so he. He wanted everybody to know that because television was coming, radio would not have to go. And he did it by making sure that the first television stations, um, sort of sets, sorry, were actually uh, also radios. You could do both. Mm. So that he mm-hmm. made that transition and he made them, he continued to make them look in, into the 60s as if they were a little hangover from the Victorian era. You know, they mm-hmm. all looked mm-hmm. kind of a little dated. Um, and he just simply shoved the screen in there and said, oh, well, you can have the TV or the radio. And so he managed to, I mean, there was huge amounts of advertising going on as well. Mm. Um, And so that was a key way in which he convinced people how to do it. Um, And uh, then he very cleverly um, controlled the licensing system. It actually went into a big court case down here in DC where I live. Um, And he uh, won this case giving him the right to have license, slightly controlled, limited licensing arrangements with stations across the country. And so thus soon RCA was what you got. And what was the nature of McLuhan's critique of this development? So, yes, that's interesting because McLuhan, um, I, I assumed that he hated Sarnoff. And I went into the Hagley Library, assuming that there might possibly look looking for, for uh, his uh, Sarnoff's philosophy, because he was an int- very intelligent man, um, and he had many intelligent people working with him. It was a very impressive place, RCA. Um, and uh, I was looking to see what where he stood, to see if there was some strong position, because he did give a lot of public speeches. He mm. um, was very well connected in Washington D.C., and he was asked mm. a lot to talk. Mm-hmm. So McLuhan's line, you know, was basically uh, the, what he critiqued was the argument that the set, the, the medium, television, uh, television itself is not responsible for any issues or problems. Um, it's mm-hmm. the same argument 
with which people say it's not the gun's fault. The gun is just a gun. Mm. It's whoever mm. picks up the gun and shoots it. And he used that approach to TV. You don't blame TV because it exists and because we created it. It's how you use it that's the issue. Mm. Um, and, and this was a very sort of smart line from him. Um, I think it actually covered a lot of issues because this, this was the time he was really moving into education as well. So this happened at, uh, at the same time that he was actually developing the very first um, television stations in universities. And so the question of exactly how much that was connected was a big issue, you know, you know because he was replacing print. Um, and so McLuhan argued, in his main argument is of course that that's not the case, the medium is the message, and that you, it is not just about content um, and use the actual medium impacts how people think and behave. And that was his line. Um, and so they, they had, they were dependent on each other's views, but they were very different. One was very different than the other. And so one of the exciting things I found at Hagley, yes. <laughs> um, because I wanted to know if they'd ever met. Hmm. Um, so uh, David Sarnoff was, was Jewish, came without much education, didn't get a high school degree. Hmm. Um, and uh, McLuhan uh, was Canadian, uh, converted to Catholicism, very, uh, very spiritual. Um, despite his reputation in the media world, he actually hated television, um, didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, but he wrote about it and everybody assumed that meant he liked it. So that's <laughs> <laughs> sort of how it went. Um, so I wondered if they bumped into each other. And, and in, in my hunts there, as I sitting in that very nice room that you get to look out at the view, I keep wondering if there are any deer there, but I haven't seen any deer yet. Hmm. Um, I found, which was really great, um, a speech that David Sarnoff gave at Notre Dame University, which I believe is in Michigan. And it was an honorary degree. And he was obviously very pleased to have this degree. And he mm. gave a speech going, you know, I don't have this. I, I, I've never went to school. This is, means so a lot to me. And he gave a talk about morality and about how the loss of spiritual life, not television, uh, was the big issue that we didn't have enough connection mm. back to a spiritual energy. And this uh, speech of his traveled quite a lot. And I, um, and that is where this quote came from that McLuhan, uh, that's one of the things I found is where the quote actually came from. Mm. Um, and it, uh, it was, so it traveled around and of course it was presented by one of the leading Catholic universities in the country. Um, indeed, his speech was presented by the provost or the president who was a well-known Catholic scholar and um, at that time, McLuhan was also teaching in uh, St. Louis in a Catholic college. So I said mm. to myself, maybe there was some process. I will actually have to go to the McLuhan files, which are up in Toronto to find out more on that one. <laughs> well, it sounds like you found some great things. I um, did. <laughs> how, how, how will you be able to use uh, what you found in the collections uh, right. for your project? Yeah. So, well, um, the first thing I would say is that it actually started off a second topic, which is one of the lovely things about being able to be in an archive like that. In the process of doing this, I also found that um, David Sarnoff uh, initiated the very first broadcast ever in the United States at the 1939 World Fair mm. by, by, by filming um, the first ever presidential speech that was put on television. Mm. And that was very exciting to me. And indeed mm -hmm. I have gone on since then 
I, I, I did some research there at Hagley, but I've gone on since then to start looking into that as well, because I think that also is part of the story of how television got, got established. Um, because in fact, David Sarnoff had, um, had also broadcast the first radio <laughs> uh, presentation by a, a, a president forever. Mm. And so that stimulated to me a whole discussion about the relationship between um, between the media and the and the presidency that we we talk about a lot now um but that apparently was happening in the 1920s uh so to me that was so so where is this going so i have been collecting little bits and pieces um for for this um maybe even having to come back to hagley for a little bit more um and i'm putting it together actually in this as you introduce me into this concept of a screen time of a sort of interactive exhibition. And what I'm trying to look at is the sort of place, following McLuhan, the place of the actual screen in our lives. So, and, and that goes back, believe it or not, one section of my, I'm working on is actually on Plato's cave. So it goes way back, right? Sure. And some of it is looking at sort of shadow puppets and then areas in which we changed the way we worked around the screen. Mm -hmm. um, but arguing really that we treat everything as somehow slightly new and dangerous, but in fact, we've been using a version of this format um, back to Plato's time. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping to present, create a absolutely wonderful exhibition out of this interactive exhibition, preferably something on a bus that can go traveling. Um, I'm of course waiting for Sony to write me a check for $2 million, which they haven't yet done, mm -hmm. um, but that is where I, I would like to do it. I would like it to be something that, um, that's sort of tangible, that people can touch things and, and and put themselves in the position of being relating to, to television. That's the idea. <laughs> well, well how, how do changes in the media of, affect social relations or affect the way we communicate? Um, whether it's the shift from print or radio to television, or perhaps even the shift more recently from uh, screens being in our environment, but now they are ubiquitous. Right. Um, what does this do to the way we relate to one another? I think I think it's I think it I think it's crucial. And um, but I think there are certain turning points that mm -hmm. make things slightly different. I, I do think, um, you know, for 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 a long time, the sense of um, being on a like for being on on TV was sort of dressing up and presenting yourself, and you didn't really you really weren't very self conscious. You were doing it um, and then once we had cell phones and scenarios like this so I can see myself talking to you right that changes do you know what I mean that changes my perspective I don't know if I'm talking to me or if I'm talking to you mm. so that changes it the selfie I think changed things to that self-awareness so I think right. one of the interesting things about the screen is and the way that media works is that it forces a question of your identity and what you're presenting um, and, you know, we've had, uh, so I, I don't know that the, the, the content, content certainly drives it, but I, it doesn't necessarily dictate it. So, for example, in the 50s, there were only, um, you know, mostly very carefully edited TV shows, carefully edited films. Everything was exactly planned. This is how you're going to see it. Now you're just as likely to have somebody leave the, the camera on and you get to watch them drifting around their apartment for 24 seven, you know? That, um, that is a, 
a technological change that 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 breaks the frame is what I call it. It, it breaks the frame of how we see ourselves. So I I think we've moved, and this is McLuhan's argument, um, moved from a one at a time experience of early media. You know, I read the newspaper, then I read the next page newspaper to a now we put all the media together. We listen to a podcast, we put the music on, we have this on, and we've pulled it all together into our multitask world. Um, and I'm, I don't think anybody really knows where that will go. Um, people do argue that it's going to change the way we, we think, mm. that, that our brains will have to start uh, processing differently um, because we're asking our minds to maintain much more information. Mm. And, and part of what you're suggesting with your work is that some of these mental me mechanisms have a much deeper history um, Absolutely. But they're not entirely we novel. Be too, too shocked about mm. that. That a lot of the stuff that that was when McLuhan wrote his media literacy piece was a sort of deep-seated moral. This isn't right. This isn't good. We're not doing a good thing. Principle. There's something wrong here, right? Mm. Um, against, of course, David Sanoff's, which is you know absolutely not. You know, you know, you use it right, and you be a good person, and there's no problem with it. But if you actually think that the format that we use has been, is the basis of plays, is the basis of shadow puppets, is the basis of, of many ways in which we frame our lives anyway, and that we've always been framing them as we mm. come out, then it shouldn't, then the argument that the media is the issue just doesn't hold. Mm. <laughs> and that's what interests me. It's, it's what it becomes, is just a kind of like a coat hook to hang on the, the, the ills of today. Um, you know, I mean, I, I mean, the, did people lie before the internet uh, to each other? Yeah, I believe so. Did newspapers write things that weren't true? Yeah, absolutely. But somehow this new version has to be blamed as somehow being worse than the last one. <laughs> That's all. so I'm a, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a reactionary, I think is the point. I, I don't mm. see that it's, um, I don't see that. I see this as a, as a process, and I think that if we use, if we treat it the same ways we think about our knives and forks, or the wheels of our car as a tool that we have uh, adjusted to life, then it's um, an interesting approach. Mm. Do you have any advice for people interested in media studies for um, who may be coming to use the collections at Hagley or yeah. other business history collections? Yeah, so um, I only explored the RCA collection um, and the Sarnoff papers, of which there's at least two sections. There's also some marketing papers there too, which are very interesting of how people marked, marketed products. Um, I think, um, uh, you know, the collections is very deep and it's extremely well presented on, online, so you have a good sense of it. But I am a personally in favor <laughs> of the sort of library principle where you open the box and oh gosh you didn't even think that was going to be interesting but in fact that's more interesting than what you thought you were going to look for so Absolutely. i you know i think that's very important um i also really appreciated that when i came to the library and um found the actual speech that david sanoff gave at the first ever screening of a, a use of a television in the united states as a public um for the public, general public, mm -hmm. um, that you actually had it. <laughs> um, and that you were able to digitize it and put it um, for not just me, but for everybody to realize that that was 
that was available. That was really great. Uh -huh. um, so I think there's um, advice, it, you know, be a little prepared because the, the negatives and all the visuals are somewhere else sometimes. <laughs> so if you're there for a week, you know, they, they may only just reach you by the end of the week, um, uh, but they are all there. <laughs> you just have to plan it. So I found it very helpful um, and I found it pretty easy to get through, you know, all, all the materials. I, I know that you keep having more and more materials given to you. No, I mean, lots mm -hmm. of collections coming in mm -hmm. um, and sometimes they're parts of collections like the Sarnoff collection. I know that uh, part of it was in Princeton University and then came to you. Um, and I think there's another one, a part of it in, in another university somewhere in New Jersey. So um, I think people just have to, you know, hunt. I think that's it's hunting, and um, but the materials are the materials are there, and they are both um, ideological. There's lots of materials about uh, you know letters people wrote to each other and how ideas were influenced, and then there's all this, this technical stuff that's not my personal ability of you know exactly how big television screens were and <laughs> you know what I mean how they made how they made the electronics behind it, but. Um, <laughs> That's another person's research. <laughs> yeah, I like to say that archival research is both a team sport, uh, or also there's also the thrill of the hunt, which is exactly what she yeah, was mentioning. Yeah, there. I think it's great. It's it's a wonderful. I mean, it has a very good um, atmosphere, and it has a very how can I say a, a great place to feel that you could actually concentrate. <laughs> you know, some 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 libraries all feel a little busy, but this one felt very much like it had been set aside for researchers, um, and. Um, was, it was extremely easy to, to navigate. And it's a beautiful spot. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and, and for sharing your work. Yeah. Take care. Have a good day. Likewise. And Ciao. for the audience, um, uh, if you would like more Hagley History Hangouts, you can go to our website at hagley.org. And uh, you can also learn there more about the Center for the History of Business, Technology, and Society and our research grants and fellowships. Uh, thank you so much once again, Dr. Evans Pritchard. Delighted. Take care. Bye.